Hi, we are the Flip the Script family. I am Lisa Verasami, a real estate agent, wife, and mom. And I am Darren Verasami, the co-founder of 34 Strong and host of two podcasts, The Nature Advantage and Leading Strong, and dad and husband. Today on the show, we will talk about what it is like for two entrepreneurs with young children to move to Barbados in the middle of a global pandemic. Social unrest and why we made this decision in the summer of 2019. Stay tuned. Welcome back to part two of this delicious episode of Curiosity Bites. This episode of Curiosity Bites is brought to you in part by the awesome music project, connecting music, science, and story to enhance mental health. To find out more about the Awesome Music Project and the AMP Foundation, you can simply go to theawesomemusicproject.com. All right, part two. Our guests on this episode are husband and wife team who have decided to flip the script on business, parenting, and life. Darren Virasami is the co-founder of the highly successful 34 Strong, and he's the host of two podcasts, The Nature Advantage Show and Leading Strong. The other guest is Lisa Virasami, uh, who is Darren's wife. She's the mother of their two fabulous kids. Uh, Lisa is a successful realtor with a background in clinical psychology. We're talking about flipping the script, what it actually means, what, what it uh, comes down to, uh, we were talking about it before, um, about what brought up the decision. In part one, we talked about uh, this idea of the normalization, what we normalized in our society, and how we kind of just go with that, and it's okay. And then by going away, you talked about about being in the Caribbean and realizing that there were several mass shootings while you were away, and that brought up the idea that you talked about before, which is spending a longer period of time away from the US in a Caribbean place. But we are now talking about, in this part, I wanna talk about here about, particularly about the, the logistics of that, because, you know, as I said, you, you know, you're a realtor, you, you've got a business, et cetera, and you've got kids in schools and, and there's a million tax and, and and employees and staff and uh, schools. There's so many reasons not to go there. And at the same time, lots of reasons to do it. Like you talked about not feeling safe in your own grocery stores or local stores, um, you know, traffic rings, all kinds of things like that. So all those things are pushing in one direction. And in the other direction is this psychological position within all human beings, which is, yeah, I want to change, but I don't really want to change. Right, human beings love to change as long as they don't have to. So we'd rather change the laws and change everything else, but as long as we don't have to, and then we can just live quietly in California in this beautiful place that you live. Great, but that's not happening. So here's the reality of it. Talk to us about the confronting the logistics uh, of this move as business owners, as business people, as parents, etc., and as families. So I guess I'll kick off with that. I want to say what one piece, one dot that's important to connect into this yep. was the fact that while when we talked about in part one with when there was the mass shootings that were taking place in the United States and we were in the Caribbean, we saw in our kids an awakened sense of presence, human connection. A really key component is over the course of those 17 days last year, 
devices, computers, iPads, cell phones were literally locked away in a safe. And they didn't even ask for any of them, Dove. They were just completely connected with our family. They were so connected with others that they were meeting. Um, there was tourists that were there, but we met a lot of locals that were there, developed friendships that were there. And that was so empowering. So that, you know, we talked about the juxtaposition, the paradox, that was part of the fuel. So we're not just doing this and like, oh, it's just gonna work out. We've tested this a few times when the kids have gone for extended periods and we see something that has been different. So when we get into the logistics of making this a reality, you know, we right out of the gate, once we made this decision, we communicated with our families, we communicated with our business partners, my business partner, co-founder uh, of, of 34 Strong, uh, Brandon Miller, met with him and, uh, and, and just talked to him about what we were thinking about. Now, what's fascinating, Dov, is him and his wife, Annalyn. Annalyn's actually Lisa's business partner in real estate. Oh, really? And, yeah, and what's what's fascinating is they wrote a book called Play to Their Strengths about the, this whole focus on playing to our children's strengths. They have a book that's coming out in January called The Incredible Parent. And it was about, it's actually about what are the things that we can dig into as parents to really see ourselves as superheroes, as parents, and really do what it takes to get to that place while playing to our, our, our children's strengths and identifying that it totally resonated with them. They, they were both so understanding of the fact that, hey, we've got these businesses. However, our first responsibility is our family and being good parents and we're doing the business. I mean, 34 Strong works to create great places to work. And the real reason for that is to change the experience of people's work. So when they go home, they're better parents. They're better yes. spouses. They're better in their communities because yes. they don't have the life sucked out of them. They're not being crushed in the work that they're doing. So starting there with your teams, and we we said, we're thinking about this. We're exploring this. This is something that we want to do. And we had, ever since the inception of the business, we tried to create it to where it could we could work from wherever we had an internet connection, wherever we could be. And this was just the ultimate you know, test of that. So that was the starting point. Co what, what but you, as a company, you're working with, with federal government, uh, with mm -hmm. government agencies. You, you know, what I mean, you're working with big organizations. Yep. The idea that the CEO or co-founder yep. can be off on an island sounds like something that may have existed as a fantasy. It yeah. certainly sounds like something that um, maybe not even as offensive, but something that is out of touch. Yeah. You know, and now I get that we've got the internet, but it still seems a pretty big stretch. As I'm talking about the logistics of it, yeah. you know, it's a lovely idea. And you get a round of applause from these great partners who see this as, oh, yeah, parenting has to come first. But then it's like, hey, dude. We got a contract, we got business, we got to pay the rent and That's we got to it. pay the team. So, and, and here's, a, here's the interesting part. So my business part, he's actually the CEO. I'm the COO. So I focus okay. a lot more on the operations, on the yep. strategy. My role was moving more and has been moving more 
to doing a lot more of content creation, getting out on the shows, building out the shows, the networks. And I was spending more time in my, my, my home office working through a lot of that. Um, so the interesting piece, Dov, was this 2020 hit and everything went fully remote. That just accelerated the opportunity of doing that. All of those government contracts, a lot of the stuff that we're doing, all of it's virtual right now. And with, you know, as we're recording this here, it's what, November 2020, things are on massive escalation here mm-hmm. in the United States and California. They're implementing curfews here now. So it's in a season where if, you know, we're not committing to do this for the next 20 years, we don't know for sure where it's going to lead. But over the course of the next year, it seems like we're going to be in a place where business is going to be continuing to be uh, virtual in what yes. was going on. And where Barbados is, which is where we're going, most of the travel I was doing was out to the East Coast. And guess what? Even if closer. things returned, I was closer where yes. we, we were looking at. So getting back and forth to the clients that I had to try, it, it was four or five hours either way. <laughs> either way, if I'm coming from California and going that way, that was going to be the process. A lot of our California contracts, we have team members that are here that can fulfill that. And a lot of the work that I was doing was over the phone or over the internet with some of our California contracts. I didn't need to be in person nearly as much. And I get called in for a lot of the high level strategic meetings on those, which again, we're pulling in people from different places. So they're rarely in person. So a lot of things were moving in that direction as it was. And we were going to hunker down and focus on getting the business in that direction. Anyhow, that's what we realized in the business was that's where we wanted the business to go. So that was a fascinating part in 2019. We realized we wanted the business to go more virtual because we had started doing a little bit more of that. And we saw that we could reach a much wider audience. We could have far greater impact um, and cut out a lot of the travel time to get to do a much, much smaller group. So that was a shift. You and I had talked about how um, the... I believe that COVID and this whole pandemic thing has uh, inadvertently pushed us into a future we were resisting. So we've already sort of, you know, it's like, okay, well, we kind of wanted to go there, but like, okay, now we really have to do it. And hey, it's exactly, you know, so I think that we're finding ourselves oftentimes doing what it is we wanted to do, but that we were resisting. And it's kind of set that up because as I said at the beginning, you were, you guys were talking about this before there was a pandemic, before any of that was coming about. Um, Logistically, um, thinking about it from your point of view, Lisa, because um, obviously the schooling system will be different. Um, um, I don't know what the plans are with work for you. I mean, uh, Darren just talked about being able to work remotely. Um, I know, because I have relative friends here in Vancouver, who are doing real estate that way right now. The, you know, they're doing virtual showings and all that, but they still need to be on the ground. Uh, what's logistically, what's, what's, what, what are you confronting? So on the real estate side, I am part of a team. So like Darren mentioned, uh, the Brandon and Annalyn. So I'm part of a team. So everything, it's actually worked out great because I am going to take more of an operation manager role where I can help 
the big picture of the business mm -hmm. and refer all of the clients that I would be working with to the team. So they're still getting the service that they're used to and I don't have to be there. So that's been a great win for me because that, that sounds good. <laughs> uh -huh. And then as far as the kids, the, the schooling and everything, COVID has made that easy because everything's distance learning. So with the lockdowns continuing, we're talking with the school to have our eight-year-old finish out the year distance learning. So she's not going to have to be interrupting her. She's in the middle of class, you know, so she yes. has her classmates, her teacher. So that's going to hopefully be pretty seamless. And then we ended up enrolling our five-year-old into a homeschooling online type program. So it's going to be pretty seamless. We have it set up to they're starting in January. And so on that aspect, it's not going to be too different for them, you know, right. And we, there are school options in Barbados. So for next year, we can get them enrolled in the British system there, which would be amazing because we do want to integrate them into schooling in Barbados. Right. Uh, and you look, and so let's just put this in context for everybody for a minute. Um, the original idea is to go for a year. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, so you're, you're looking to go for a year. Um, it's kind of a one-year experiment. Um, is that uh, is that a fixed experiment? You know, uh, are you saying no matter what, we're going to stick it out for a year? If it sucks, we'll come home after a year, or can we come home before? Or if this is amazing and we can make it work, we could stay longer or go somewhere else for that matter. Completely. So we did decide to commit to a year mm -hmm. because we do realize the idea of moving to a Caribbean island sounds amazing. And everybody mm -hmm. says, oh, that's going to be amazing. You're going to have so much fun. But we do know it's not all going to be rosy. You know, no. we are going to have pockets where we're like, oh, my gosh, what did we get ourselves into? Yeah. So we wanted to commit to a year to ride out the bumps, the fun, the bumps, you know, everything that comes along. So our visa works out great. Our visa is 12 months. So from there, right. we can reevaluate. Do we want to come back? Do we right. want to go elsewhere? Do we want to stay? We're totally open. Do we want to come back to California? You know, that that's the other piece that we're like, you know, in the event that we're coming back to the United States, is it is California the right place for us? Is where we're at the right place for us? So it just gets us to a place of opening that perspective. It's for us as adults. And more importantly, it's for the kids, Dov. Completely. What are they, what how are they going to see the world and be able to adapt over time you're an incredibly well traveled individual and you've done that since a young age and i see how profound your views are and just the world and your ability to see things that very very few people that have lived in the script that we've lived in are able to see and that seems to be a huge life advantage that we can give to the kids at this age that is just going to be profound. So we, we just want them to know wherever you're at in the world, if the United States is the right place to be, if Barbados is the right place to be, if Italy is the right place to be, Sri Lanka, right? Wherever it is, 
you're not stuck. The world is a big place and you can plan and you don't have to be some multi-millionaire or anything like that to be able to do this. I, I vividly remember traveling when I got out of college. That's when I really got the travel bug. I had very little money. I'd saved just these little pieces <laughs> enough to kind of go to jump on a plane and use little travel points that I had saved up and just getting them open to that process of you can move if you if your environment is not setting you up for the long-term success to be good people, to be good mm -hmm. human beings. That's our goal as parents, raise mm -hmm. just good people. That's that's what it is. And uh, we want to give that opportunity. So that, that brings me to a piece that we talked, we touched on in the beginning and I want to, uh, part one, and I want to bring it back because I think it's profoundly important. Um, you noticed a difference in your children. Now, you know, uh, certainly Darren knows this about me, um, with my background in psychology, I, I'm, I look at what expands the mind and what, what um, shrinks it. And it's not my opinion, it's research. And, you know, if you live in an environment, and you only live in an environment, then there is, of course, a limit to your ex to the way that you can think, and you adapt, uh, the, the mind is wonderfully adaptive to that. And so um, to such a degree that you begin to see the world as only that. Um, so, you know, there are people who cannot in the United States, and I'm not, it's not a criticism, it's just a fact. There are pretty many people in the United States who actually could not tell you where other states are in the United States, let alone other countries in the world. Um, because as you were saying, Darren, they live inside of their own little community. And again, I, I'm not judging it or criticizing it because that's how it was in medieval uh, Europe. So I'm not saying anything about that. But what I'm saying is that in the context of it comes the normalcy of things. And I'm really interested in this piece where you talked about putting the devices in, in the, I was going to say in the fridge, in the safe, putting the devices in the safe the kids not asking for them and the context in the world of where your kids are from, meaning California, modern first world America, um, which is a high stimulus environment. In that high stimulus environment, you've got a couple of things. You've got all this stuff coming in through devices or through whatever it might be. Um, and you've also got that hypervigilance of safety, which you talked about, which is the safety of a potential earthquake, the safety of a potential mass shooting, the safety of somebody might kidnap your kids. You know, you've got all those restrictive um, hypervigilant ideas that you've got to hold. And at the same time, this massive amount of information coming at you through digital devices. I'm really interested about what that was like observing your own children in that environment where they don't have all that stimulus and maybe they don't feel like they have to you or they don't have to feel like they have to be so on guard what did you see we saw go ahead lisa we saw what we what you would imagine young kids being they're free they're happy 
It was just a, a very different side of them. And we, prior to COVID, we were very vigilant about the kids' use of devices. Mm -hmm. You know, so COVID has definitely have them on Chromebooks, iPads, and they ask every single day, can I have screen time? And it's with COVID, it's become a much greater yeah. ask. And we didn't have that. So when we did put them in a safe, they weren't using them as much as they are now, but they, they didn't want a TV. They didn't want any of that. They wanted to go outside and play be in nature, be at the beach, talk to the locals, you know, so it was just seeing them being kids with other kids, with just enjoying life is what you want them to be. Did doing. you feel like, I mean, you, you guys both were Californians. You grew up in California, um, but it's a different generation and, and you're actually, there's your kids, there's you and there's me as generations. So you know, I grew up in a different generation too, but when you look at, when you looked at your kids in the Caribbean, did it remind you of what it was like to be a kid, you know, before it was, let's call it crazy. Completely. <laughs> uh, was that it? As it's like, you know, because the, I mean, I think you've, we've all seen that meme of, you know, a kid drinking from a, from a, from a, a lawn hose, and another kid uh, riding his bike without a helmet and all these things. And we go, we survived all these things by being kids in the, in the seventies and in the eighties, you know, and then we've got all our kids and we've got them all wrapped in fricking bubble wrap, you know, and making sure there's no nuts in school. Um, was it kind of like that? That's what I imagine. It would be like watching your kids going, Oh my God, my kids are me when I was a kid without all that stuff that, I hadn't realized I've normalized is, oh yeah, that's just the way it is now. Is that right? I'm, I'm already lost Completely. a lot. And you get to see their personality shine because yeah. you're seeing the true authentic child. They're just being them without any distraction. It was, it's always been amazing the, every time we're there. The limits are removed of what, there, there was a really profound experience we had on Maho Beach with yeah. Preston. You want to share that story with the with the little boy that he was playing with yes. on the beach? So we, one of our favorite spots in St. Martin area is Maho Beach. And that's the beach where you see the planes literally fly right over you. Oh, and is our, that, that one we see the on the... It looks like they're going to land amazing. on your head. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. They're like... Whoa. Yeah. And we remembered it from when we went uh, first wedding anniversary, uh, we were in St. Martin. So we were so excited because our little guy is fascinated by airplanes. So we said, he is going to love this place. And we could have been there all day, every day, the whole trip. Um, so we were on the beach, just watching the planes. And there was, uh, Preston was four at the time. And he loved being out there. There was a younger boy who was right next to us and he was from France. So he didn't speak any English, Preston doesn't speak any French. And just to see them come together, they quickly realized, I have no idea what this little boy is saying. And they figured it out and they played for hours. They just had a good old time sharing toys, laughing and you didn't need to speak the same language. And they just, they had so much fun and just the, the sparkle in their eyes. It was 
but they they were speaking the language of play yeah that's it they were speaking the language what a what a profound lesson yeah and and you know dov here sometimes when a kid goes to the playground and then they play with another kid you'll see them play together with other kids and then sometimes you'll see the parents pull back like oh no 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 you know that was just those limits that you have to be more mindful of here mm -hmm. they're just gone there i personally uh, I, i'll never forget in 2018 we were on a bus we were on a packed bus in barbados right we're driving down uh the road we're, go we're going to a location uh somewhere the whole family's there the bus is packed and preston how old was he then he was three he was three okay. or almost three he was going to be three in a, 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 a couple months he was actually only two at the time mm -hmm. so i'm holding him and i've got my backpack and a lady comes onto the bus uh you know a, a, a lady gets on the bus and I, I give her the seat and then she just looks at me and she puts her hands out like this right mm -hmm. and basically she's saying just give the boy to me he can sit on right. my lap and this right. is a perfect stranger we've never met in the united states if somebody did that to me i would knock <laughs> like, him out dog. i'd be like oh you're not touching away. my kid you 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 creep or whatever and lisa and i had a moment and preston at two had a moment as I'm going through, you could see his eyes. <laughs> and his eyes lit up, but he was okay. Mm -hmm. I yep. was okay. Lisa was okay. Mm -hmm. And it was it was profound. It was such a simple act. It took took this was like five seconds of time that I've reflected on. Because these are things I would never consider doing in the United States. And nobody would consider offering their hands to take your kids. That was normal in Barbados. You're holding a kid, give them to the person that's there. He can sit on this lady's lap and look out the window. And she was totally fine with that. And that was the priority. The children are the priority there. Mm -hmm. And Preston, I think in the United States, if we would have been in a situation, he would have panicked. He would have freaked out. But that response that came from me saying, this is okay. And this is normal for us to adapt to this culture. Mm -hmm. This is what we need to do. And it's okay. And it was a telling moment because those are the things of community, of just humanity, right? Of just helping other people out, not saying, oh my gosh, if I hand my kid to this person, are they gonna sue me? Or is this person gonna do this? Or what if my kid does something or whatever, all these things that run through your mind here, which creates all these limits, they're just not there in that place. And that was, that was a really heartfelt moment for me. I really, that really struck me and, and him, and again, he had no fear in his eyes as he went. He sat comfortably probably for about five, 10 minutes. Yep. And then she got up and she was talking with him and he was totally fine. I, yeah, I remember when you told me that story originally and I was, I was like, I, I love that story um, because it is such a statement of again, normalcy. What is normal? What have you made, we made normal that is completely unhealthy? Like being overly cautious about handing our kids to somebody. And, you know, and, and, and I'll be clear here. I'm, um, you know, I, I'm very aware of personal emotional resonance fields and the impact of those on our children 
and you know you're carrying your own resonance of fear and anxiety about strangers you know the whole don't talk to strangers stuff that got embedded and maybe with very good reason i'm not saying it wasn't but all that is deeply embedded and then you suddenly realize it's gone you know in a moment it's like and it, this deeply embedded belief system that it's not safe to hand your kid to a stranger is suddenly able to be erased in a second and that your field is so profoundly shifted that it also profoundly shifts your child's field and that they know they're safe because i think that very often kids are not safe because their parents know they're not safe you've got kids you know this uh, lisa you have psychology background um, you know, one of the things I used to say to people all the time is when your kid falls over and hurts themselves, notice the first thing they do. And they go, what do you mean? I said, just notice. And they go, what is it? I said, they look at you. They want to know the response. If you're freaked out, they freak out. If you go, ha ha, well done, get up. They get up. And it's that, how are you reacting to the kid that tells the kid how to be? And in that moment, you transformed yourself and that child because of the environment. And that for me is very interesting about this whole idea of quote, flipping the script is that you're, there's an opportunity to change your normal. And by that, we tend to think of that as economics. We tend to think of that as how we do business or where we live, but it's actually deeper than that. It's, it's, it's not only, um, at a mindset and a belief level, but it's at a consciousness and maybe even an epigenetic level that your whole uh, epigenetics and your neurochemistry shifts so that your kids are different in that space. And so in, in many ways, it's kind of interesting because in many ways, this is also a move towards the mindset of I'm safe in the world for children. And that's a like that's a fascinating piece. We are already at the end of part two of, of our second episode here with Darren and Lisa um, talking about flipping the script on how we live, on how we do business, and uh, on being a nomad or potentially being a nomad, and how we parent and what brings about those changes. And maybe it's opening your mind to the possibility of what is possible. What are you? capable of what other limitations that you've added to yourself that maybe are false and uh, uh, that if a, a, a partner inside of an organization a co-founder a realtor a parents of two small children can pick up and move into an island living i wonder what's possible for you well stay tuned because we're going to come back with part three of my conversation with these two amazing parents and human beings and we'll be back soon i'll see you on the next episode stay curious my friends stay curious for the next delicious episode